what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. All right, guys, welcome to Beyond the Scripts. Uh, Today, we're going to start taking a leap back in time to 400 BC when Hippocrates said, uh, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. So I probably said his name wrong and I'm going to do that a lot today, so don't worry. But even at 400 BC, there is a lot of emphasis on what we now call palliative care or functional medicine. Some of these things that are very much progressive by today's standards, but we see referenced again and again as diet has an effect on cardiometabolic diseases, on heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, uh, childhood obesity, uh, behavioral issues, certain types of cancer. So these links with nutrition are all over the place. And in 1825, there's a book called uh, The Psychology uh, or the, The Physiology of Taste, or Meditations on Transcendental Gastronomy, which is probably the coolest title I've ever heard for a book. Uh, But the author, who I'm going to stay on a first name base with because uh, my French is very, very poor. But Jean wrote, uh, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. And of course, that sounds uh, probably much more romantic in the French language. Uh, but this later came to be what we all have heard a million times. You are what you eat. So we've heard our parents say that. We've heard the lunch ladies say that. And now fast forward even further into 2019. And there's a quote that really was buzzing all over the internet. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on uh, Facebook, on Twitter. But Jim Carrey said, I believe depression is legitimate, but I also believe that if you don't exercise, eat nutritious food, get sunlight, get enough sleep, consume positive material, surround yourself with support, then you aren't giving yourself a fighting chance. And again, I think that's just taking any mystery or or any innuendo out of you are what you eat and just really putting it out there that all of these things are very interconnected. So my name is Will Tuft, and uh, I am the uh, Director of Education at Pioneer Rx. And as Gene might say, according to what I eat, I'm mostly tacos and coffee, it would seem. And uh, today we have Michael Muniz joining us. Michael Muniz is a PharmD. He's also the owner and compounding clinical pharmacist at My New Rx Pharmacy, LLC, and should I call you president, Mr. President? Is that the appropriate salutation? President-elect. Next year will be president for sure, but it's president-elect right now until next year. Of the Texas Pharmacy Association. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Michael, I've, I've known you for uh, a lot of years here for my time at Pioneer. Uh, where are you at now and kind of what are you, what are you doing in your, in your day-to-day now? So right now, I mean, I'm owner of my new RX pharmacy, uh, which the NU stands for nutrition and then pharmacy. So it's nutrition based and trying to really get the body to heal itself. Uh, That's been like something that I've always wanted to really focus in on. So 
prior, when you knew me, when you first knew me, I was this 300 and something pound guy, you know, and um, I wasn't eating very healthy, but yet I felt good. I didn't have diabetes, no hypertension, no cholesterol issues, but I was huge, right? I was this big guy. Um, and so doing functional medicine training, I found out like, man, you know what? I got to start doing things differently. And so that's started my whole path with myself in functional medicine, right? So if we go back, you know, in 2012, when I finished pharmacy school, we were compounding hormones for patients, but yet we didn't even know if that was correct because I didn't know what, it, what we're doing, right? In pharmacy school, they teach us a very basic minimum. And one of the biggest things they tell us is hormones cause cancer, stay away from them, right? And so it's like, wow, so why are doctors prescribing this stuff? And then we started seeing dosing all over the place. You know, one patient's getting one milligram, another patient's getting 100 milligrams. One patient's getting it orally, one patient's getting topically, you know, so I didn't understand it all. And so at that point, at that time, I was working with my family at Muniz Rogani Pharmacy and we went to A4M or actually it was a PCCA training uh, on hormones symposium in Las Vegas. And Pam Smith was talking and, you know, went over a lot of the different um, things with hormones and dosings and how they work in the body, what we use them for. And at that point, I was like, man, you know what? Some of these patients are getting stuff that's totally wrong. But now I felt more confident to be able to talk to a physician about this and see where they're going. So I was actually calling physicians and like, hey, Dr. So-and-so, uh, you have this patient on this hormone. Um, I would recommend maybe we switch it up and do this. Um, I don't know where you got your dosing from. And the doctor said, that was what another doctor gave her 20 years ago. And I've just kept her on it. Like, I don't know. You tell me what the difference is and whether or not I'm doing something wrong for her. And you educate me. And so at that point, I was like, wow, you know what? This training has actually helped me to become a somewhat of an expert in hormones with patients. And the doctors come to me with questions and saying like, hey, help me out with my patient. So uh, it started off with hormones. And then I was like, man, you know what? This is very interesting with just one part, you know, sex hormones. And then I was like, but the next module was on, on a cardiometabolic health, which diabetes, hypertension, uh, cholesterol issues. And I was like, man, this is very interesting as well. I want to learn about this part. And so I did that because in South Texas, I mean, diabetes is rampant here. I mean, so many people have obesity. So many people have diabetes, blood pressure issues. And so it's like, how can I help my patients? Right. And so when I did this training, again, my eyes are just totally open to everything else that we're looking at. And it's not that we were taught wrong in pharmacy school, but we were just taught medicine. Right. Because as pharmacists, we need to understand the medicines, what they do, how they work in the body. And that's what we're, we're trained to do and trained to learn how physicians are going to go about their training. And a lot of it has to do with clinical guidelines that are put out there. And so we all have to work in that in that um, arena. And because our board certification, and everything is based off of that. But then we started yeah. looking that things are different and not everything's the same and everybody's different. And then we have to start looking at, OK, so. A patient in South Texas is going to be different from a patient in Louisiana. What are they eating? And so all these things started coming coming around, and I was like, a lot of it is what we're eating, right? So you talk oh, yeah. about we, <laughs> we have totally different spices up here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's like, wow. So so what's actually going on, and how do we fix these things and make it not a diet, but an actual lifestyle change, right? Because I hate the word diet, you know, because. So many people think of diet as short term, you know, I'm going to go on a diet for a week. I'm going to go on a diet for two weeks. I'm going to go on a diet for a month. And it's like, 
those things are not sustainable. No, no, it's not. And so with, with all this stuff, I was just like, man, so here I was and I had just finished my fellowship in metabolic nutritional medicine with A4M. Um, and I was doing a consultation on a neurologist, sent me a patient and a patient didn't want to be on any meds. So I'm like, okay, so time for me to use my, my knowledge and all this stuff of, of how we can help this patient that had had a stroke and how do we minimize the risk? And I'm like, perfect. So he comes in, we start talking, we go over, you know, his, his food, his supplements, everything he's taking. Then he looks at me and he goes, you make it sound so easy, but yet you're 300 and something pounds. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, but I don't have diabetes and I don't have high blood pressure. You know, here I am starting to argue with him. But then I was like, you know what, you're right. So he left that day and I was like, at that point, it said, you know what? I'm going to make a change. Turning point, huh? Yeah. Okay. So on January 16, 2018 is when I said, you know what? I'm changing it. I'm going to change what I'm doing. That's yeah. really interesting because I wonder how many people can think back and, and like put their finger on a date where they made themselves better. They they committed to something and, and went through with that. And that, that. That's pretty neat that you called out that date. So immediately. Yeah. January 16th, it was January 16, 2016. Yeah. 16. So it's been four years already over four and a half years and I've held off 110 pounds since then. You know? So, so at that point, how long had you been in the, in the pharmacy? Um, I had already, well, I graduated 2012. So four years. Okay. You know? So four years out of pharmacy school, you're at the family pharmacy and you're second generation pharmacist. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And, but it's not just, it's not just your father, right? There's lots of no. family there. So, so it, yes, it's family. My, my father wasn't a pharmacist, you know, okay. but okay. my uncle is and, and my, uh, my, my cousins are and stuff. So, but yes, um, I wish, you know, all these things, you know, are coming to play, but yeah, family pharmacy, it's uncle, my cousin, myself, and we all kind of like work off of each other and it was good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're working at the family pharmacy for about four years. Did, first off, did you, did you know you were going to go that route or were you like, man, forget this. I, you know, I want to play basketball. <laughs> or like, did, did you know you were going to NFL, in? you know? <laughs> no, you know, so right out of high school, I actually was doing pre-pharmacy, right? Okay. And that's what I kind of wanted to do. But then you get out, you start being exposed to things and it's like, well, I want to do something else. So I did computer maintenance because I had been really good in computers, right? Uh, so I went to Texas State Technical College and I was in the computer maintenance program. I had been building laptops and desktops and stuff since I was like 12 years old, you know? So I got in there, went into the class and hoping I was going to learn something. And it was like, this is a battery. This is where you plug in the battery, <laughs> and the power supply. I'm just like, okay, this is something that I don't want to do. So I switched over. Um, I went to chemical engineering because I wanted that challenge, right? So I did chemical engineering for a semester again. And at that point, I said, you know what? I'm not being challenged. And so I stopped going to school. Uh, I started working for FedEx and I became a ramp agent. So I did weight and balance on aircraft and stuff. Uh, and I worked there for five years for FedEx. And then I started working for a doctor, uh, which is a good family friend, Dr. Ruben Martinez, OBGYN, him, Dr. Hunter. Uh, they let me come on board. Uh, so I started their computers with their EMR systems. Uh, my brother was already the IT guy there. And so I was working underneath him, but I was also the receptionist, you know, building databases for them. Uh, then I ended up be doing medical billing for them uh, as well. Um, 
And then I'm talking to my doc one day and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I want to do something different. You know, I, I feel like I'm smarter and I think I can do these things. And he's like, well, go and do surgical tech. That's going to challenge you. Right. So I went to TSCC um, and finished my degree in surgical technology, graduated top of the class there. Um, and I, he, when I finished school, he asked me, he goes, so how'd you like it? And I'm like, I love it. I like doing this. And he's like, but do you want to be the tech or do you want to be the surgeon? And I was kind of like, man, you think I could do it? And he goes, Back it's up to, to you. Again. <laughs> Back to school again. Well, I just kept going. I never stopped. You know, um, and so uh, funny thing I always tell people. So when I went to surgical tech school, I already had my twin daughters. Right. And uh, so they were young at the time. When I finished my surgical tech school, I had my third child, uh, Lauren, and um, she's uh, 16 now. But yeah, so I graduated from there and I had a baby. Right. And so it's like, OK, um, then I went to undergrad and uh, majored in biology with minor in chemistry. Um, in 2007, when I graduated, then my son was born. So I have a thing like when I graduate, a baby's born or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at that point, I'm like, you know, I'm, um, tutoring people in, that want to go to pharmacy school. I had no idea what pharmacy school was. Like that was something that I had thought about right out of high school, but it just kind of went away. Cause I was like more focused on all medicine. But at that point I had four kids already. Right. And so I thought to myself, if, if I left and I talked to my, my, my wife about it and I'm just like, you know what, if, if I leave and I go to pharma, uh, medical school, are you guys going or are we staying or something? And my kids are little, right? And I didn't want to just leave my kids there. Um, and she goes, well, no, who's going to help me with the kids and you're going to be in school all the time and stuff. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to reevaluate my options and look what else is out there. So I looked at pharmacy school. I applied to pharmacy school, took the PCAT and everything. I applied to PA school. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed my interview at, at uh, Texas A&M, near Malama Run Hill College of Pharmacy in Kingsville. It's a huge name and it's something we all laugh at. <laughs> um, kind of like a super califactious and expialidocious deal. Um, but yeah, so I, I applied there and Dr. Robertson, who was the dean at the time, was his associate dean, was dean of student affairs, uh, I mean, he made it very welcoming, you know, and so I'm like, man, you know, this is what I want to do. And I had already talked to my uncle and he let me shadow him and his partner, Ray Acosta at the time. And I was like, man, you know what? This is cool. I like this, but I want to be able to be more involved, clinically involved. I don't just want to count pills and verify a script. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you have so much like back work into you know, how all these medications are working within somebody in the chemistry and kind of a bigger picture than just dispensing. So like naturally it seems that you'd be pulled to do something a little more than uh, just what, what a standard pharmacist, especially 10, you know, 15 years ago was doing. huh? Right. And so like I finished, you know, and, and well, I went into pharmacy school and after my first year, I was like, man, there's Amcare, there's all these different avenues to go. And so I went back and talked to my doctor, the OBGYN, and he was he was helping out at a at a, at a clinic um, working with ACE patients and stuff. And so I was like, hey, doc, why don't you have a pharmacist working in here with you on the patients? He's like, I would love to. He goes, but there's no reimbursement. There's no payment mechanism for them for me to be able to afford someone like that. And so I'm like, man, that'd be cool if one day we could be able to build insurances and be able to do all this stuff and actually get paid to be in here and working with physicians. Cause I can tell you a majority of physicians want it. P 
PAs want it, nurse practitioners want it because we, we bring a lot of value as pharmacists, right? And so I'm like, so that's always been just something thinking in my head, in my head, okay, how do we do this? How do we get these things going? Um, and so finished pharmacy school, 2012. Um, I didn't have another kid in 2012, which was good, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I just started working. And um, that in 2012, actually right before I got my pharmacist license, my son was in an accident. So my nephew's dropped his shotgun and it shot my son in the femur. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so he got shot with a 20 gauge shotgun at five years old. And so he's a kindergartner can, that can say that he actually been shot in the leg. And so he has that little gangster limp sometimes with him, but, um, and he laughs about <laughs> it's a it. Silver lining. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that here I had just finished pharmacy school. We had this, uh, tragedy thing happen strike us as a family. Um, and when we're going to the hospital in San Antonio and stuff, all the training, all the stuff in surgical tech and medicine and all that stuff just starts coming around. And so the doctor's coming in and asking all these questions. And I'm like, hey, doc, he's having this issue, blah, blah, blah. And the doctor looks at me and he goes, and who are you? And I was like, I'm the dad. And he goes, you know, quite a bit. And I was like, well, I'm a pharmacist, but I'm also a surgical tech. And he's just like, oh, okay. And then he just starts like, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this, that, whatever. It was like, perfect. I was like, that's exactly what I would, I would like to see happen for him and stuff. And so, um, having all that extra knowledge is great. Right. And it's just, it, it just, it, for some reason, I feel like all of that, those pieces and education stuff that I had came down for this one event that happened with my son. Right. Um, and then I'm like, okay, so how do I use all that knowledge for everybody else? Right. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, we move it back. And so that's, I finished 2012. We had this thing happen and I just, you know, I'm practicing as a pharmacist, counting pills. I'm not really liking what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, it was good. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, there's more. I mean, I want more. Um, so we did this training, the fellowship in metabolic medicine with A4M. Uh, and when I finished that in 2015, uh, I was like, man, this is awesome. This is great. I can actually go out and I feel more confident treating patients, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so here I am talking, you know, I did this on myself. I was my end of one where I was like, okay, let me see if the diet and exercise and all this other stuff works. And so all I did was <laughs> diet. <laughs> I, I, didn't, okay. I didn't exercise. I was okay, 370 so pounds. I think if I would have broke my leg, gravy would have came out or something. You so, know? I, so I remember, like I knew you around this time, I think, and – like I remember seeing you, I've been down to the pharmacy um, and uh, I, I saw you at a trade show at some point and I, and I had to do a double take because you had really like fairly quick results, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to drop like 80 pounds in like five months. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, I, I lost 50 pounds in two months. And then at that point, that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to start exercising. And so- That's insane. I was just walking down the street and I would get, you know, even though I had lost 50 pounds, I was still winded. And I was like, man, my lung capacity was crappy. Um, but it just slowly, it was just like a process, right? I'm just like, okay, well, here's my next goal. Here's my next goal. Here's my next goal, which has always been something in my life, right? It's just always have these little goals. If you verbalize them, they're good. But as long as you have that goal in your mind, it makes it so much easier for something that's attainable, right? And so it's like, okay, I'm not going to shoot for a goal from here to over there because my goal was never to run a have a full marathon that was never my goal my goal was to run a 5k and i remember my first 5k in 2015 
it took me an hour to do a 5K and here I was 200 something pounds. My next 5K after that, that I actually signed up for and did, I think I finished it in like 33 minutes or something like that. So I'm like, okay, I feel much better. And now I can run 5Ks in like 24 minutes, 23 minutes and stuff. And so I feel much, much better. But it's those little goals, right? It's like, okay, so how do I get yeah, faster? How yeah. do I make something better? It's the same thing with our professional career, right? So me as a pharmacist, it's like, my next goal is to do this. My next goal is to do this and just keep moving well, forward. And, and I think you've touched on something that you assume is everybody's career, but you know, I, I don't know that it is. I think it's the exceptional people that have that drive that they're always pushing for what's next. And like you said about your previous experience, you know, I know like when I come to work, I bring a little bit of what I did at every place I was ever at because I did it like to the best that I could. And I was always looking for that next thing. But I mean, I think that's what you have to do if you're going to keep keep evolving and keep evolving. So it only seems natural that like next time I talk to you, you're going to have something something new because um, because because there doesn't seem to be that that um, that thing that allows complacency for you. No, no. I mean, one of the PDS shows that I went to was like uh, the only thing that, that that's constant is change. Right. With no change, no change. And so that's always been something that's like hit me, too. I'm just like, man. The only thing that is constant is change, and we have to always be changing with the environment. You know, PBMs and our reimbursements that we're getting, if we just sit there and wait for them to kill us, I mean, we're going to die, right? So we got to be doing something different to differentiate ourselves from them and actually get away from that model, right? Or find out something like, you know what, let's do something different. And if we just stay there and no change, we're not going to get any change at all. And so we have to be doing things differently. Um, but yeah, for me, honestly, one thing, one of my, uh, this, the assistant dean uh, or the dean of student affairs, uh, Dr. Robertson, um, you know, one thing he did tell us, you know, when we were in school and him and Dr. Blight used to always say it is like, never stop learning. You know, and that's something I always talk about when I do talks for, you know, universities or, or you know, residency programs and stuff like that. It's like never stop learning because the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop practicing. And that's why I see it. It's like, you know what? If I can't bring anything new to the table, I can't bring anything else. That's it. My time is done. I'm not doing any kind of service for my patients. Right. And it's all about that personal growth. But again, professional growth as well at the same time. And so, I mean, I would think I would hope that most pharmacists are like that. But again, I started thinking about all of us. Um, Pharmacists like the Aminas and the Joe Mooses and some of the people that are always just constantly doing things. Those are people that I look at as like, man, you know what they're constantly doing. But then I look at some of my friends that are just working in Walgreens and CVS. They're just like, I'm just here to get a check. You know, and, <laughs> and, and there's always going to be that status quo. Um, but, you know, we, we're kind of in a, in a unique generation where, you know, you have this, this amazing wealth of knowledge that you're able to amass, but also your, uh, like your timeline coincided with technology really, really well so that you could adapt early and take full advantage. And so, you know, I've been to pharmacies where, you know, there's still a struggle to adapt with technology and take advantage of that, you know, so. So a lot of things uh, align and, and just kind of work with our generation to move that needle forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, you do see that, that, that gap, you know, like with my uncle, who's 
you know, 70 something years old. And when you start talking about technology, it's like, I'm just glad you know what you're talking about. I'm glad yeah, you yeah. know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he goes, because I don't understand it. And I'm like, I'm always here as a resource. And you just let me know. How can I help? Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's capitalizing on, on all of that. And it's trying to work with people like Pioneer with you guys. Uh, it's been awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I love it to be able to get called on and like, hey, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And because it's going to help me in my practice, right? And what I'm doing with my patients, it's not just for me, but it's really for everybody else. And so how can we grow and how can we add programs or add value to systems uh, to make things more efficient and actually capitalize on, on reimbursements and having analytics and looking at, at the complete, you know, profession of pharmacy and what we can do, but being able to report outcomes on what's going on, right? Instead of just worrying for the, the, the huge organization, the universities, the academia people, it's like, what can we do in our own little place to get the results that we're looking for, right? So it's, it's awesome. I mean, technology is great and you have to be able to move and adapt with it. So at, so at this point, you, you're at um, Muniz Rio Ground Pharmacy, family business. You're big on technology and change and opportunity, and you're starting to look at medicine a little bit differently uh, and, and get into that functional medicine space. So, you know, being in an existing business, was there like a quick adaptation or, you know, how did, how did that process kind of move forward as you developed into, uh, you know, maybe taking a, a little bit different path than the traditional uh, family pharmacy? So what happened was, so I had that one patient, right? And then I started like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change myself, uh, make myself feel healthier and stuff. And so I did. Well, then I had this one patient, uh, really good. He's become a really good friend of mine now. Uh, and he looked at me and he goes, hey, you got the gastric bypass, right? I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, well, what did you do? And I was like, I just started eating right. I started doing all these different things. I found out what my body needs. And he's just like, could you help me? And I was like, well, you're a diabetic. You have all these other issues. He had already lost vision in an eye. I'm like, man, you know what? It's, it's risky. Um, I go, but definitely something we can look at. And so here he was, um, I think he was weighing about 260, 270 pounds also. Uh, he was injecting 230 units of insulin a day. Uh, he was on like, I think it was 10 different medications Wow. And so I'm just like, man, you know what? So we got to do this thing slowly and just watch everything. So I got the whole history of what had happened. And he said he was camping and ended up like he blacked out, ended up in the hospital. The doctor's like, well, you're gonna have to be on insulin the rest of your life. So he had been on insulin for 15 years. Oh, wow. A1C was still a nine on insulin. Right. So I'm like, OK, well, let's look at, you know, as a functional medicine, let's find out the root cause. Let's fix everything. Let's fix your gut. Let's fix what you're eating. Uh, let's clean out your livers, get all that junk out of there. And we start making changes to meds. So I contacted his doctor, told his doctor, Hey, look, I've, I met with him. These are all the things that I'm thinking we should do. Are you okay if we proceed? And the doctor's like, sure. He goes, are you going to be monitoring them? I was like, yes. You know, well, any kind of blood pressure or uh, blood sugar changes and stuff like that, I'll get back with you. If that way we can make changes very quickly. And the doctor was like, I'm all for it. Let's go. You know, he needs, he'd been wanting to make the change. If you can get him to go, it makes my numbers look good. Let's start working together. Like, okay, perfectly fine. So, you know, we did a liver detox from um, orthomolecular. It's called a core restore kit. I do that almost with all my patients that want to lose weight. Cleans out your liver, cleans out your GI system, 
most of the, 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 the issues that we, hate, that we see with patients start in the gut. So we're able to just clean all that out. So I started this with him and within three days he was off his rapid acting incident because he was starting to bottom out his sugars. Oh, wow. And I was like, hey, doc, you know, this is going on. I told him to stop. And the doc's like, that's fine. Just keep monitoring. And I go, and then I, I go, we need to cut his basal insulin, which is long acting. We need to cut it down to, you know, I think he was on 80 units twice a day. And we dropped that down to 30 units once a day. And the doctor's like, sure, go ahead. Just keep monitoring. If it starts going up, we'll start going, making changes. So that's what we did. Uh, two months into it or a month later, I think he already lost like 26 pounds. So he beat me my first month. I lost 25 pounds. He lost 26. And so it was always a competition with him now. Right. Um, and within two months he was on no more insulin. So yeah, which was crazy. And he went back to the doctor and got his A1C checked and they're like, dang, A1C is a 5.7, no insulin. Uh, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just eating right. Michael's teaching me how to eat, what I need to do, what my body's looking for, right? Um, but a lot of it is you have to be able to measure these things. So now we have the Freestyle Libra that's out there that's a continuous glucose monitor, which, you know, when we started this with him uh, in 2000, it was also 2016. I mean, it would have been amazing, uh, but we would just had to do the finger sticks. And so we're checking like three or four times in a day and get everything going. Um and so when I knew that it would work with him, I knew it could work with others. But some of the foods that we were trying to give him, I was like, okay, well, you're going to find this food at HEB. You're going to find this one over at Walmart. You're going to find this one at Sprouts. You're going to find this at Amazon. You're going to find this one directly from, from the company. They won't sell it to anybody else. And so I was sending people to all these places, right? And so I was like, man, you know what? I could probably make my own store with all these products inside there and they can just buy them from me instead of me sending them all over the place. I was, I was about <laughs> to say, it seems like as a, as a pharmacist, you're talking your patients out of medications and then you're giving them shopping lists to go, uh, you know, anywhere, but your pharmacy. But so that must be an amazing feeling when you actually see those results, you're recording those labs, you're seeing those, those patients come into a healthy zone. Like that must that must have like a, a pretty profound change on how you look at the drive-in every day, right? Yeah. Oh, it's totally different. I mean, anytime I was like looking forward to, to seeing or meeting with a patient, I'm just like, man, you know what? I can make a big difference in this person's life, you know? Uh, and his thing, when he first saw me, he goes, I don't care about losing weight. Just get me off my insulin. I'm tired of injecting five times a day. So one of the first things I always talked about with my patients is like, what's your why, right? Why do you want to do this? You got to have a why. You can't just say, well, I just don't want to do this. Or I've had patients, oh, I just want to lose weight because I have a wedding in two weeks. It's like, okay, well, this isn't one of those weight loss clinics. Or this isn't <laughs> one of those. No, I'm trying to teach you how to be healthier for your body, right? And this is a long-term commitment. This isn't just a two-week and then I'm done type of deal. So, uh, yeah, it makes it so much easier to be able to come into work and be able to see patients and not have any issues with that. But then it's like, okay, so how do I build on all of these things? And exactly, that was, that was a point. It's like, okay, here, this guy's drug spend was like $4,000 a month because of all the medications and stuff he was on. Wow. And then his drug spend now is like, I think it's $60 for three months. Okay, so you, you're, you're going in every day at Muni's uh, Rio Grande, and 
uh, things are kind of changing on, on what you want to do long term. So, so how how do you branch out, and uh, what happens next? Yeah. So you know that's when I decided you know I want to just really focus in on nutrition, right? So even up until my last day there, verifying prescriptions for eighty patients, you know, three hundred scripts. It's like I don't I didn't see any value in that. Yes, there was things I can do. Plus COVID happened. Nobody was coming into the pharmacy. Everything was through the phone or through the drive through window. I would go outside to see my patients because we didn't want anybody inside the pharmacy because we were taking care of assisted living centers. We didn't want to take something into the assisted living centers. So we really thought about everything. And, and still to this day, we haven't opened up at Munoz Rogani Pharmacy. Um, but here I just said, you know what, I'm going to go and I just want to take care of patients, you know, so pretty much that's what I have now. So my new RX pharmacy is a place where I do consultations with patients. I work on MTMs when I don't have patients scheduled. Um, doctors refer patients to me and pretty much the doctors are like, help me get this patient to goal. If you can get them off of meds, you can help save us money. Let's do that. So ACOs, I'm working with ACOs on that. Um, and then like, okay, well, if they're not on meds and we need to uh, change their diet, well, I can have healthier options. And I have them here um, at Crave Market, which is also located inside of my store, my pharmacy, right? So people walk in and to the left of the store is Crave Market. To the right side is the pharmacy, the consultation room. I have a conference room where I uh, educate providers on what to do, how to look at patients. And I'm just like, this is what I would do. And the doctors at the end of it say, I'm glad you explained it all. I feel more confident. I'm going to send you my patients. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it's kind of like a teaching. I'm trying to train them how to do it. But at the same time, they're like, you're like way over my head. So I'm just going to send them to you and you help us with those patients. So uh, and, and so you're working with all of these patients and the, the physicians, the, the ACOs, and you're primarily still focusing on nutritional care that's kind of eliminating the need for those uh, symptomatic treatments, right? Yeah, so, so still basically all nutrition. All nutrition. So like even my, the compounds that I do, I, I make things with some peptides. I do some, you know, riboside stuff. I do hormones, but that's it. Like, I don't really want to be doing the, the metformins and the insulins. I don't carry any of that here in my store. Um, I don't have any third-party contracts, none. So it's all cash compound only pharmacy. And oh, wow. yeah, so that's all I'm doing. Um, uh, even with my, my network. So I'm actually uh, contracted with Blue Cross Blue Shield so I can build medical services to Blue Cross Blue Shield, but I'm trying to become an in-network provider, but I need to see what those rates are like, right? Um, so we're working on that. Um, so going back and looking at, okay, well, I want to be able, my doctor, when he said, I would love to have a pharmacist, but we don't have a mechanism, a payment mechanism for them to be in the clinic with us, right? So, uh, Back in 2017, around that time, 16, 17, um, a buddy of mine was a TPA president, Rene Garza from Stonegate Pharmacy. And he's like, hey, there's, a, there's an opening. One of our other directors wasn't able to fulfill the commitment. And so they need to step back. I would love to have you here because the way you forward thinking, the way you're always just constantly going, thinking uh, outside the box, I think you'd be a great asset for us. And I'm like, Perfect. It was a like, great. That's fine. I'm going to do that. And so I started little that I know that it was only a one year because I was just finishing up that other person's term. So then I show up to a meeting one day 
And they're like giving me a plaque. They're like, thank you for your service. I'm just like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, today's your last meeting. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean it's my last meeting? They're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I, if I would have known, I would have put my head in the, the, the my, my name of the head to run for the position, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> so I had to sit out a year, you know, kind of like I, I tore my ACL or something, had to sit out the season. <laughs> um, but I knew I wanted to go back. Um, and actually help move the profession forward uh, here in Texas. So um, the next year came about, I, they were like, hey, we have open nominations. Put my name in the, the hat and I'm just like, we'll wait and see. Went and met with the committee, got put on the slate and ran and became a director. Or Actually, I was applying for a directorship, uh, but I actually got vice president which I was just like, wow, I mean, people actually think I'm good enough to be the vice president of an association like this. All right, good, you know? Um, and well, I just it, worked with everyone. I was going to say, it definitely seems like you, you were recognized for, you know, we hear the term niche uh, a lot, and I, I don't want to say you found a, a niche because that, that almost kind of trivializes it, but you you became a specialist in this in this specific area. And so it's neat that you're able to get uh, people from across the aisle over, you know, in the medical billing world to, you know, recognize that 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 specialist mentality and those, that skill set that you've developed and then kind of merge those two. Yep. Yeah. It's very interesting. To be, and that's what my thing is like, OK, how do we get it all together? Right. How do we glue the pieces and, and make it all work? Right. And so then, you know, I get this vice president job and then it session starts, right? Uh, legislative session in Texas is every two years. And so I had built a relationship with my state rep back in 2011 when managed care was kicking off. And I'm like, this is bad for pharmacies. And so I had no idea who he was. I knew his name. I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. And so I went one day and I just sat in his office and I waited there in the front until he walked through the door. And he's like, <laughs> can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to see you. And he's like, did anybody help you? And I'm like, no, I waited here until you walked in the door. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, so how can I help you? And then I was like, well, it's on managed care. And he's just like, okay, well, let me get you with my chief of staff. So I'm just like, okay. So the chief of staff's like, hey, you know what? Let's have a meeting. And so I, we get this meeting and I invite all these independent pharmacists from the Valley to show up. We show up, we told them our problems and stuff, and they're like, okay, we're going to work on things and we'll see how it goes, right? They're like, we can't guarantee anything because at that point, he wasn't in one of those big committees um, in the legislature. But since that point, anything that had to do with pharmacy, he would call me. He goes, hey, Mike, and sometimes I would get calls at like 11 o'clock at night. Hey, this is on the house floor. What do you think about this? And at, at that point, like, I was like, well, I had heard about this is what our lobbyists were saying. Had I read the bill? No. Did I know what it was about? <laughs> I didn't know. I was just going on what the lobbyists would tell us. Right. Um, and so I was like, yes. Well, then, you know, fast forward. And so I'm the vice president now this past session. He is the chairman of the insurance committee, which is a very, very big thing for pharmacists. And so we're just like, man, you know what? This guy can help us. And so he calls me as soon as he got appointed and he goes, hey, Mike, I need you to teach me everything about PBMs. I need you to teach me anything. I'm in a prime position. I can help you guys. Tell me what we need to know. 
like okay with, without using four letter words without using <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true and, it was, and that's hard you know um and so i'm there and i'm sending them youtube videos and sending them information and then it's, i'm like okay this is a lot of information when can we sit down and talk and so he was back down in the valley we met for an hour kind of you can't teach somebody pbm stuff in an hour it's just too crazy um well then you know they're having this uh hearing that was they're like all that had happened was a bill got placed in his committee and the pbms are like we want to have a meeting so he's like okay you want to have a meeting okay i'm gonna get all the stakeholders involved so he called me goes i need you in austin on monday and i'm like what and i'm like okay well let me see if i can get coverage or something like that and he's <laughs> like i need you there because and so sure enough i show up to the meeting and you have Express Scripts and CVS and Prime Therapeutics, all the big PBMs there. And then you have HEB, which was on our side, which, you know, some people think HEB is a, a chain, but they're actually really pro-independent. They, they, they like working with everybody, right? And so they don't have a PSAO. We have PSAOs to help us with our contractings and stuff. And the PBMs are like, well, no, it's all because their PSAOs put them in these contracts. And they need to go after their PSEOs. They shouldn't be coming after us and blah, blah, blah. Well, then HEB turns around and tells them like, well, we don't have a PSAO and we get the same crappy contracts <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing we can do about it. It's a take it or leave it. And we're trying to take care of our patients, but they're like, and so we're just going to start denying contracts. And then, you know, representative Lucio is like, well, what's going to happen to our patients then? Or what happens to Texans? Like, well, they don't get, there's no coverage for them. And they're just like, well, okay, so we have to figure something out. Well, then we were talking, I was like, man, you know, everybody's on this PBM stuff and it's going to be really hard to change. You know, there's only so many uh, insurance plans that we can actually hit at the state level because of ERISA that's been hitting and, you know, federal plans. And down here in the Valley, a lot of patients are on Medicare. So at the state level, they can't make any of those changes for the federal plans. So it's like, okay, so what else can we do? And, so uh, we were there talking and they were like, well, we want to do uh, uh, being able to bill for services. I'm like, yes. Okay. How do I get this bill? And they're like, okay, well, can you talk to Representative Lucio? And I was like, sure. So I talked to him and I'm on him and on him and not getting anywhere. I'm like, man, this guy's supposed to be my friend and stuff. And you know, <laughs> what's going on? So, you know, the deadline to file bills was like on a Thursday. He calls me on Tuesday. And he's like, hey, Mike, you know, uh, Ruben's showing me this thing. And he goes, it's going to be hard. We haven't had any stakeholder meetings. We don't know who's against it, who's for it. And I'm like, look, I will go up there for every meeting for whoever's against this bill. And so I started explaining. I go, look, I go, a patient goes into the hospital and they're in the critical care unit. The doctor can bill for that visit. The respiratory therapist can bill for that visit. Physical therapist can bill for their visit. I was like, but the pharmacist who's making sure that the medications aren't killing them can't do anything. Why? How is that fair? Yeah, it's it's the it's the one entity with the most hands-on personal contact and, and the most intimate knowledge of that patient. It only seems natural, and yet, um, you know, it's it's just not there yet. Yeah. So, um, so where where's that headed down there in your area now? Now, so we were able to get that bill passed, you know, and um, no opposition. I mean, I think it went favorably through all the things. The medical board didn't even argue it. They were like, we're all for it. The PBMs were like, we're against this. 
And then when they found out, like, no, this doesn't even go through your side. They're like, oh, okay, we're fine. We're, 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 yeah, we're, we're not for, we're not against. Go ahead and have it. We're like, well, yeah, because it wasn't going to touch their pockets. It was going to go through the health plans. And the health plans were like, no, if it's going to benefit them, we'll take it. And so, you know, we got that pass. It was done. So we're in the insurance code. We got a uh, payment parity, which means that if, if another practitioner gets paid for a service, they cannot deny that service just because a pharmacist performed it, right? So if we were to do a flu swab, you know, uh, point of care testing, and we build the insurance, the insurance denies it saying, no, because it was performed by a pharmacist. Well, they can't do that because the service, if it, was built, if it can be paid for by a physician, it has to be paid for to a pharmacist for performing that same service, right? So we got two big bills passed. We're working this next session to really um, work on making sure that pharmacists are included in network adequacy. Because uh, a lot of times the insurance companies right now, they're saying, well, yeah, you can build us, but we don't have to put you in network. And so we're trying to make it seem like, well, you need to be, what does your network look like? You know, they're required to have so many primary care, so many pediatricians based off of per capita and stuff like that. So we're trying to make sure that pharmacists are included in that as well. Uh, so working with the Department of Insurance. And so been able to do that. For me, it was Blue Cross Blue Shield. Down here in the Valley, we have a lot of Border Patrol agents. The school districts, a lot of them use Prime Therapeutics or, or Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, to, to pay out medical claims. So that's where I win. I was like, that's the main one for me because a majority of my patients have that insurance. Now I'm working with Aetna, trying to get in contract with Aetna. Um, United Healthcare, I'll, I'll try and see, but United Healthcare is really big here in the Medicare space, not really in... Um, commercial insurances. So being able to do that with patients and actually sit there and talk to them, and that's my thing. It's like, I tell the insurance companies like, I can help you save money by getting your patients off of medications. But then if I go back and look, my, my first patient, the 230 unit patient, I actually got a call two months later from his insurance company, and it was a Medicare plan. And they're like, uh, I see so-and-so is not taking his medications. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's doing great. His A1C is under control. He's no longer needing this. He's no longer needing that. And they're like, well, we don't like what you're doing because we make money on medications. <laughs> oh, so here is the insurance company telling you we make money on medications. We want the patient to stay on the medications. And it's just like, man. It's, uh, it's, it's such a confusing landscape where you have, you know, these, these preventable diseases costing the uh, the healthcare system billions of dollars and yet a reluctancy to, you know, really look into preventative care a little bit sooner and allow pharmacists to really interact in that space. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to do that now. So mm -hmm. what's that look like, like in, in a day-to-day -day kind of, kind of life, uh, somebody walks into your pharmacy you know, how does, uh, how does all this translate to, you know, OTC coverage and uh, meeting those needs with the medical billing, like in a, in a business space uh, mm -hmm. to, to serve that patient? So kind of, kind of walk me through, like, if you're a new patient, if you come in, how's this, how's this okay. work? Because it seems really, it seems really abstract. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of moving parts. So first thing, your patient walks in the door. Most of the patients that come in, they're referred by somebody else. And it's usually they're coming into Crave Market. They're not coming to see me at the pharmacy because this pharmacy, New RX Pharmacy, uh, it's only been open for three weeks as of right now, okay? 
And I haven't even really done a huge blast out there like, hey, if you're looking for me, this is where I'm at. I'm really just really focusing on the doctors, making sure the doctors know what I can do, how they can refer patients to me and stuff like that. It's taking up brochures and flyers saying, look, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to be doing. When I hit the social media part, I know that's going to be a bigger piece saying like, I'm here full time now. Let's go. So I want to make sure I get all the other marketing stuff done first before I really go full on board. So right now, most of the patients that are coming in are coming in for Crave Market and they're like, a friend of mine told me about your store. You know, I want to start doing low carb or I'm going vegan. Uh, I'm looking for some food options. Uh, can you help me with this? You know, with that? Yeah. You know, so if you want me to sit with you and go over all your medications that you're taking, because medications can cause side effects, you know, cause hypoglycemia if you're a diabetic. And so I have to work with your doctor. Uh, so we need to schedule an appointment for that. Uh, tell them my rates for consultations. You know, they can go online to cravemarket.com. Click under services and under consultations and there they can schedule appointments, see what the fees are. Um, I can schedule them right there and say, okay, this is, get me get all, get all your information. Uh, I try not to tell them right away, like, okay, this is your initial visit right now. This is kind of like a discovery for me. Like, okay, you want to do this and that, whatever. Have you gotten these labs done? Have you done this and that? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in my system. So I use a separate system uh, for keeping track of patients on my medical side, which I use practice better. Um, which is really geared more towards nutritionists uh, than anything, but it's a, it's a, it, you can do medical billing and stuff through there as well. <clears throat> so, so I use that system to be able to have a messaging, direct commu- uh, communications. I can do um, secure like, like Zoom calls through them, uh, through the app as well. We can communicate back and forth and I can be anywhere. I can be in San Antonio having communications with my patients. Uh, I've had patients in New Braunfels contact me and that's how we meet. We just meet through this, you know, online platform. Um, so they come in, we, we schedule the time. I tell them, I want you to get me all your labs before we actually sit down and talk to it because I'm going to charge you a certain rate and I don't want us to waste so much time going over these things until we actually sit and go over it. I want you to see the real value of your money. You go and see a physician, you pay a 30, 25, $30 copay to see them for five minutes at the most. Most of the time you're seeing the nurse, you're seeing all these things. No, here you're gonna get a 30 minute consultation with me face to face, and we're gonna go over all these different things. Are we gonna get everything done in one session? No, we're not. But at least I want you to see as a foundation what we need to do going forward. And so that's they just say, okay, I I need a follow up. And so they'll message me like, hey, I've been doing this, I've been doing that, when can I have another follow up with you? Like, okay, do another follow up and here's here's my availability. And like, okay, so they go on my scheduler, they schedule an appointment, they come back in. On the, that side too, I also carry the supplement side, right? So when I'm telling them like my, financial, my foundation for any patient, whether you're the sickest or the healthiest, my alpha base from orthomolecular, this is what I recommend you take. So they buy that here. So there I go, I have another cell. And then patients that have like rheumatoid arthritis or uh, lupus, you know, they have all this chronic inflammation, Oh, there's a new product from Orthomolecular. It's called Tereva. I'm using it on this patient. This is the results that we're getting. It's helped take away their pain, inflammation. It's decreasing CRP levels. And it's just like, okay, cool. So they start taking it. Then their doctors hear about it. And their doctor's like, hey, I'm going to send you another patient. I have this. Okay. Uh, primary cares. Hey, I heard that you're doing this for this one patient. I have this other patient. Do you know about this? Yes. Okay, I'm going to send you this patient. How do I schedule? So my referral sheets is like, okay, well, Here's my sheet, what I need, the information. This is how you schedule the appointment. You can schedule it for them or you can just contact me. 
and I'll schedule it for them. This is the basic information I need to schedule, which is just name, uh, phone number, and email address. That's all I need. And then it'll send out the invitation to them. Like, hey, you've been sent to referral. Here's the forms that you need to sign, HIPAA, secure, all this stuff. And then we just start going from there. And so a lot of these patients, we have packages. We have different things that you can do. You know, I have a $400 package. That's I what know. I was about to That's what I was about to ask. If uh, Are you working on a cash model or once you have the referral, then you can do the medical billing side? Well, the only or- one that I can do is, is Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? Sure. And okay. so a lot of the patients that I'm actually getting right now are not Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is fine. But it's a cash model. Um, they pay for it and they can use their HSA cards. I uh, can ring everything up through Pioneer. Uh, they can use their HSA flex cards. They get the receipt. I can even do it through my Practice Better app, but I try and keep everything together for accounting and stuff. So I do everything through the Pioneer point of sale system. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all cash and they can use it. And so the school district here in Harlingen um, has flexible spending accounts. So I do their consultations with them there. It's like they have Blue Cross Blue Shield, but I'm like, if I do it with you, they're still going to charge you at a network pricing, which is right. crazy. <laughs> so, but we can do it this way and help you feeling better, right? Um, so that's, and it's a convenience, right? It's like, if they schedule an appointment with me, it's like, I'm going to see you at your convenience. I even have patients that I see on the weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, if I'm in town, I'm not out of town doing anything like, hey, you know what? I have an hour available. Can you can you meet this weekend? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's meet for an hour. Because what happens is they come in, they meet with me. They'll pay me my visit for my consultations. They usually end up buying supplements and then they usually buy foods from Crave Market. So you look at all the different sales and it's like, man, it's 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 going up and up and up. Well, and that's and, and one of the one of the things is, you know, with that cash model, um, you know, that, that could seem kind of risky or kind of scary. It's something new. You're asking patients to pay where, you know, it's a service that they haven't paid for before maybe, but you know, it's one of those things that I think if you can explain the value, um, and, and get that mindset shifted from, you know, spending money in a retail sector to investing in healthcare, you know, like, it's the the craziest example that I could think of is I have like a hundred dollar toothbrush. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could buy a toothbrush for for ninety nine cents, right? You know, but I but I have a, a really nice toothbrush that's like the electric thing, and you know everybody could have their own different part. You know, and and uh, my son's orthodontist was like, "Whoa, man, your brushing has improved so much." You know, so it sounds like I would never buy a hundred dollar toothbrush, and yet. You know, it's been such a good investment that mm-hmm. once you can flip that switch and say it's a healthcare investment, not like a retail spend, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, are you having pushback on that or your customers really like, oh, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in. Let's do this. Uh, I actually have not had any big pushback. I've had some people tell me like, man, you know what? I'm going to have to reschedule or not really schedule, but I'm going to have to rethink this. Um and these are some patients that, you know, they're indigent. So I'm working on plans and stuff like that to help them. Because at the end of the day, I want to be able to get testimonies from patients. And so it's like, okay, well, kind of like, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you for free. Let me get everything going. You see, I don't have to worry about insurance issues because insurances think, look down on that. Like, why didn't you charge them the copay? It's like, why didn't you do this? Well, I'm not dealing with any insurance. So it's like, I can do what I want, you know? 
If I wanted to give somebody a free session, go. If I want to get them free hormones for a month, I can do that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't violate anything with insurance contracts, right? So my hands are free. I can do whatever I want. Um, and so pushback, I don't have anybody yet. The only thing is I can't do this today, but wait till I get paid and I'll come back. Sure. And, and they do that. They're like, can we schedule an appointment for the third? Because I get paid on the 28th, you know, because it's every 14 days or whatever that they get paid. And like, sure, let's do it that way. Or, hey, can we wait till, um, you know, whatever. And so being able to adapt to them, it's like, it's fine. And they when they come in, they see it. They're just like, wow, you know what? Like, you're right. And I'm not there to push a product. I'm not there trying to tell them, oh, you need to take this protein shake and this, that, whatever, and you're going to lose a million pounds and you know, multi-level marketing and something. Like, no, 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 no. My main thing is I, I would rather them eat their supplements instead of taking supplements, right? Sure, sure. So, so when I'm here, it's I'm teaching them how to eat. I'm teaching you what you can put in your body to make you healthy. And it's like you were talking about earlier when you introduced everything and you're talking about uh, um who was it? Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey, right? You talk about, so it's true, right? So you are what you eat, right? But the same thing too is it's, it's just not the food that you're eating. It's the words that you're eating, what you're being told, the positive insight and the positive uh, uh, statements that are being told to, towards you. If it's, if you're around negativity all the time, you are what you eat, you're eating those words and it's coming into you. And it's just like, it's just going to push you down. So you have to be able to look at everything and say, you know what, what is going to make me a better person? What's going to make me healthier? And being around positivity is going to make me feel healthier. So it's not just the food because your stress levels are going to kill you as well if you have this constant negativity coming at you. So you have to eat your sleep, right? So how are you sleeping? You have to eat your exercise. How well am I out there performing and doing things that I need to do? Whether it's just basic walking, walking three or four or five miles, right? Walking after you eat. How am I, how am I eating my stress levels, right? Am I minimizing them? Because stress is going to cause, you know, a lot of other inflammatory responses to happen in your body, right? And, you know, how am I eating? So, Again, it's like, how am I taking all this stuff in? And it's not just one piece. So people will say, oh, I eat very good. Oh, you do? Yes. What do you eat? And they tell you this amazing thing. You're like, wow, you eat very well. What's your sleep like? Oh, I sleep like an hour a night. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's your problem right there. Right? And so getting people to actually think about that it's, is different. It's, it's much more than a diet. Like you said, it's, it's just a complete change in the way you think about your lifestyle. Yep. Totally different. All right. So we're coming up on the hour. Um, yep. One thing that I wanted to ask is that as a, as a pharmacist in a family pharmacy, uh, wouldn't it have been easier to just kind of go with the flow and, and check prescriptions and, and not take all those risks with a new business and a new healthcare model. And, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it just be easier to, uh, go the traditional route it would have if it was just about financial right so to me the financial aspect is going to be there it's going to come around it's going to pay a huge dividends okay but that's not what was feeding me right what was feeding me was 
am I able to provide for my family still, right? So what's the minimum I can go to to still be able to provide for my family? You know, I didn't grow up rich, so I've lived poor in my life, very poor, right? So I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be down on the bottom. I, I don't need to have all these things. But to me, the, the thing at the end of the day is my customers, my patients. How can I help my community out? When I'm talking to a female about hormones and the anxiety and stuff like that, I think about things like if that was my mother that was going through this and her doctor is just giving her the runaround, how would I feel about this? You know, my grandpa had COVID and he's 95 years old. And they were just like, man, you know what? Put him on like hospice and, you know, he's too old. I'm just like, no, that's not an answer for me. How can I help him? And so I started working with the hospitalist. I started working with the ER. I started working with one of the PAs in the ER department real closely. And like, hey, I need you to come check on him. I need you to do this, not whatever. And working with as a complete healthcare team. Uh, and so to me, it's like that satisfaction of how can I help my patient? How can I be the best advocate for them and actually help them make the best decisions for their care? That's what I'm looking for. It has nothing to do with I could sit there and count pills all day long, but that's not what I'm looking for. That's not the life to me that's feeding me. The life that feeds me is the joy with, with, with these customers doing amazing things and feeling better. And when they come and see me, they're like, man, you know what? My, my 230 unit patient, he was here yesterday and we talked and he's like, I still thank God every day that I asked you, how did you lose that weight? And I'm like, me too. And I'm glad you trusted me and you've worked with me and we worked together and we did amazing things. Right. So it's, it's a big risk. I mean, it's still like one of these risks right now that I'm still kind of like trying to touch, but I'm doing so many other things that to me, the way I see them, they're five, six months out from anything that we're doing right now. So right now I'm actually opening, uh, working on a clinic, um, inside the pharmacy. So the, the back end of the pharmacy is considered a pharmacy. It's got an MPI for a pharmacy. The front side has an MPI for a clinic. Um, I'm working on a different LLC, uh, working with the medical director. So a physician uh, with a PA as well. The PA would be seeing patients here uh, with me since we are not allowed to prescribe. Uh, I'm working with uh, doctors that I would be working underneath them. And so they would be prescribing what I recommend. And so this is something like very similar to Dr. Uh, or James Laval from A4M. He's a pharmacist, clinical nutritionist, but he does the exact same thing. So that's why I was like, man, you know what? I need to find people that can work with me. And so uh, looking on that model is, is, is amazing. So it's kind of like doing Amcare, but not really basic stuff. I mean, this is more like true preventative care. Sure. Right. Uh, without looking at medications, because uh, I think, I, I, you know, when I do my talks, also one thing I always tell people is like our bodies, you know, they people say your body's your temple. Right. Um, if we start going back and looking at religious stuff and you can think of it however you want. But, you know, my faith is that God made us to be amazing things. They've made us to withstand many different things. Right. But he's given us a Ferrari, but yet we always want to put, you know, Daihatsu parts inside of this Ferrari or a yeah. piece, you know, a Ford Pinto inside yeah, you, this high-performance machine. You need to use premium fuel only. Yeah. That's, that's and, the thing. 
and, and, and we don't do that, right? And so I always look at it as like, look, yes, I was not a sports performance vehicle. I was built like a tank. I'm much bigger than everybody else. But at the same time, too, I put the right parts in my body. I listen to my body. And it's weird. Six years ago when I was bigger, five years ago when I was bigger, I used to eat things and I used to be like, man, I was sitting on the couch and afterwards <laughs> I'm like, this is the life, you know? <laughs> now I do it and if I eat that, I eat two donuts or something and I'm like, there's like, why did I do that to my body? <laughs> Where before it was like a dozen donuts, it was fine. So, yeah. It, it, <laughs> so, so you have you have just one more question. I'm going to let you close it out with the with the final thought here. But you have a very personal connection to, again, this niche or this this specialization that you found. And right now, I feel like there's a pharmacist out there or a technician out there who's passionate about something. You know, maybe maybe somebody close to them uh, struggles with diabetes, or you know, maybe uh, the the you know, there's physical therapy or, you know, there's so many different avenues that somebody could be passionate about, but it's definitely easier to stay in the traditional streams. Do you have any advice or any thoughts to someone out there who's got that passion, but they're just, you know, still doing, still doing the the traditional grind? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is, is, Find out exactly what you're looking for. So for me, it was a personal thing. It was like, okay, I want to help my community. But at the same time, I had to start with myself, right? And here I was this big person. So I had to make myself a living example of what can be a possibility of what you can do. Um, and so if there's something that, that interests you that you want to do, people say, you know what? I want to be healthier. I have, let's just say a patient has... Um, like Crohn's disease or IBS or something. And they're like, I want to be able to help people that have, because the doctors I'm going to, is the same thing over and over again. Or I have a huge family history of cancer. Everybody in my family gets cancer and then they die. Everybody in my family has diabetes. So find out what that is, right? And then just say, okay, how do I become the best person for that disease state? And just focus on one disease state. For me, it was obesity, right? So focus in on that one thing and say, okay, what can I do at this point to make myself better? Start going to seminars. I mean, I've done a lot of online seminars. I've done a lot of in-person seminars. Um, and I still do it this weekend. That's what I did. Friday and Saturday, I was doing seminars on, on uh, neurocognitive issues. So people with Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke, I was looking at traumatic major injuries but always be learning and try and become the expert in that field. But if that's the thing that you're looking for, study it, learn it inside out. That's the only way you can become the best at it. And once you figure that out and you're able to teach people, it makes you so much better as a clinician. So my patient that I saw on Saturday, I, I, I spent an hour talking to her about what we're going to do for her, for her weight loss. And I go, I'm sorry that it took me an hour but I like to explain because I'm actually teaching myself when I'm teaching you and getting you to understand it all. And she goes, no, she goes, it made perfect sense, everything. And she goes, and you looked at all the little aspects of things that could possibly go wrong or things that I'm not even thinking about, things that I think are a side effect, but it's not really a side effect. It's what I'm putting in my body uh, away from the medication or whatever. So she's like, I love it. I love what you're doing. And so if you're if you if you want to learn how to do anything look at options look at things if it's on functional medicine 
A4M, Institute of Functional Medicine is another one. Um, started just following people. Dr. Mark Hyman uh, is really big. Uh, Pam Smith, if it's on obesity stuff. Jason Fung is a nephrologist out of Canada. Uh, it has an obesity code. People want to do like carnivore diets and just kind of see what different types of diets. Dr. Sean Baker's out there. Um, and just start following these people and seeing what's going on and then say, you know what? I want to start incorporating some of this into my practice. And again, this where I'm at right now is four years in the making. How how much better would every any business, whether it's you know a, a restaurant or healthcare or you know any business, if you went in and the people who you were interacting with had that kind of passion and that like I want to be interested and be awesome and follow this and make this the best, you know that's such an amazing environment to to be in anyways, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you take pride and you actually enjoy what you're doing, it's, it's huge, right? You pay huge dividends because everybody wants to be at a place that they feel appreciated. Right. Uh, And they feel that it's yours. So they take ownership, right. Of, of that business. I mean, honestly, everybody that I've talked to with, with you guys at pioneer, a lot of you guys do that. You all take that ownership and you're like, we're going to do what we can to make this the best possible uh, experience for our customers. You know, I mean, I'm one of few customers out there. You have many, many customers, right? And I'm one of the few that you actually call on uh, for for just different types of deals and see what I'm doing. And then I call on you guys because I mean, I'm I'm trying to start something brand new, and so I'm like, I need help, guys. <laughs> uh, and so being able to put yourself around people that that can help you grow is what you want to do. People that are going to feed you the right information, the right um, uh, personal positive growth that you need, that's what you want. You want to have that who, good. Who knew some of those things they told us in high school would still be applicable as adults, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think about it, it's like, man, my football coach taught me to do this and actually be a leader. And I'm like, man, you know what? Okay, well, I'm trying my best to be a leader here. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, just looking back at everything and really, you know, pharmacy in general, um, that's why I ran for president elect of the Texas Pharmacy Association, Association because I want to help change and improve the practice of pharmacy. I want patients to really understand that pharmacists don't just count pills. We don't. I mean, some people do, but there's so many pharmacists, especially a lot of these PharmDs that were taught all this clinical knowledge that we're not using. We could help so many other people. We're highly accessible and we just want to be part of the team. We want to be able to help the patients just the way the doctors do. How do we make this patient feel much better in what they do, whether it's with medications or not with medications? How do we reduce their, 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 their risk? Um, and so for me, it's like, how do I transform the, the professional pharmacy? And the people like my uncle, that are retiring. There's so many other people out there that are ready. They're like, we're, we're out of here. We're done. But there's so many of this younger group, uh, people that have been graduating from pharmacy school in the past 10, 15 years that have been waiting for a moment to get out there and show what we can do in the clinical space. Not just in the hospital. We see it in the hospital all the time. The doctors love it that the clinical pharmacists are with them, but there's nobody on the outside space that can help them. Well, there is. The thing is, they just don't know we're out there. And so that's what I'm out here for. 
I'm out here working with all the all the physicians in my area, telling them like, look, this is what I'm capable of doing. Help me help your patients. Put me in, and I want to work with you guys. Put so me in, it. coach. Put me in, coach. <laughs> all right, Michael. Let's close it out. Thanks so much for joining us, and everybody out there, remember, you are what you eat. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Will. All right, bye, Mike. Thank you for watching the Beyond the Scripts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.